I'm Danielle Bassan and welcome back to another episode of Tiny Tots of Fire and the Odds. Each episode touches upon the miraculous journeys of each guest, from medical emergencies and personal crises to parenthood and entrepreneurship. These are the stories and testimonies of great might and metal, and I can't wait to share them with you. Today, my next guest is one of the strongest women I've met, Ashley O'Neill. Ashley's son, Colin, was born four months premature and spent six months in the NICU. On top of that, she had a personal family bereavement during Colin's NICU journey, but she persevered through it all and she has since launched as a NICU world. It means to empower NICU families by providing hope, encouragement and resources. In addition, Ashley is due to launch her first book, It's a NICU World, Premium Edition. I talked to Ashley about dealing with bereavement, coping being a single medical mom and how she is making an impact in the NICU community. To all the single mums, if you find yourself in need of encouragement, this one is for you. Here's Ashley on the Tiny Tots of Yards podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> thank you. How are you? I am well. Yourself? I'm good, thank you. Good to hear that you're well. Um, I'm so happy to have you on here today. You are someone that is defying the odds in many ways. And of course, your beautiful boy, Colin, and you are showing how being a single mom and being a founder of an amazing venture impacting the Nike community. You're showing us how it's done, really. And I'm sure our audience will definitely be happy to hear your journey and be encouraged by what you have to share. So without any further ado, I want to let you introduce yourself to our guests and just tell us where you're from and um, what you're doing at the moment. Hi, everyone. I am Ashley O'Neill. I am originally from Michigan, but I currently live um, in Southern Maryland. I am the mother to a beautiful boy named Colin. He is a former 25-weeker, had a 183-day stay in the NICU. Um, I am also a widow. My husband passed away a little over two, and a, two years ago. Um, I am a family nurse practitioner by trade. Um, I am a soon-to-be author. I have my book coming out um, shortly. We're just still working on the final details, so I'm excited about that. And I am very excited to be here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Amazing. It's honestly my pleasure to have you on here. Um, so you heard that guy, she wears many hats. Tell us about the journey of Collins being in the NICU ward and what was that like for you? Tell us about that. And I understand he was born weighing 1.5 ounces, which is, wow, just really tiny. Happy. Tiny. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That must have been scary for you, right? How how did you navigate through that journey and what was going through your mind at that moment? Um, so it's really scary because my first son was born at 25 weeks gestation and he actually, he passed away shortly after. And so I thought that, you know, once we made it past a certain gestation, we're fine. And then all of a sudden here comes Colin at 25 weeks. Um, he was born at a small community hospital. Um, so shortly after he was born, he actually had to be flown up to um, George Washington Hospital, which is in D.C. It's about two hours away from where I live. I didn't think that he was going to survive the night. He was so t- like so tiny and frail. And I was just like, oh, my goodness, here we go again. I was transferred up to Georgetown the following day. Um, and then that just set off a long journey. Right. So the first couple of days, it was you know, he's okay. He's hanging in there. And then all of a sudden the doctors are calling you. Okay. So he has brain bleeds. And then the next day the brain bleeds are worse. And then he has hydrocephalus. So buildup of cerebral spinal fluid on the brain. And then he's going to need a shunt. And it's just like, 
bam, 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 bam. Like for the first two weeks, my husband and I, we stayed, you know, the bedside for like hours on hours. And then when we finally took the drive home, like we didn't even pull in the driveway before the doctors were calling us like, oh, it's worse. We're just like, oh, <laughs> we just came home for, you know, change of clothes. But yeah, Colin, the 183 days, he just amazed me, you know, whenever, you know, things got rough, you know, doctors sitting us down, you know, he's going to be severely handicapped, you know, he's going to not be able to, you know, walk, talk, eat, see, you know, so then we're thinking like, okay, how do we manage? Um, but he is a miracle, you know, he, you know, he still has his struggles. Um, and we work hard every day to try to overcome some of those struggles he had, but you know, he's just my blessing. And just hearing that just really touches my heart and, me and Colin were so similar in our birth weight. Um, I was 1.4 ounces and he was 1.5. And, um, you know, just my mom and dad constantly hearing negative reports about me as well and having to get called back into the hospital and doctors saying there's no chance for your daughter. And same with Colin. And it's just frustrating in that moment. You just want your child to be well, in spite of what doctors are telling you. And it's really... <laughs> Walking by faith and not by sight, right? Right. Yeah. And how did you get free those tough moments when you wanted to give up and when doctors were saying, there's no hope for Colin and he's not going to make it? What really kept you in those darkest moments? I would probably say it probably has to do a lot with my first son, Vincent. His name is Vincent Carter. Um, I feel like he kind of prepared me for that moment. Because like once you go through like your kid dying, you know, it just, it's like, you can probably do anything, right? You don't expect to bury your own kids. So then when Colin came, it's like, he's alive. You got to keep going. You know, he's here. You know, when I'm, you know, when I go, when I'm going to the NICU, he's looking at me, he's smiling. Um, well, he starts smiling towards the end, I should say. Um, I don't know. He's just, he told me he wasn't, I, well, what I told him was that I would keep fighting as long as he kept fighting. And three years later, three and a half years later, he's still fighting. So look, he's here, and this is evidence that you know when the doctors say no, God always says yes. They don't always have the final say. Sometimes it may look that way because they're experts in the particular field. But when they're saying otherwise, you've got to really just be strong and stand your ground, and just say no. Like my child will live. But look, Colin's here today, and he's doing well in spite of the odds against him. And I want you to talk about what was it like? It's hard enough losing a child. That that's difficult because you helped bring them into the world and everything else. But how is it like having to look after Colin whilst dealing with the bereavement of your loved one, which was your husband? Uh, so all of this, just to back it up a little bit, all of this happened in a four-year span, right? So my son Vincent was born and died on uh, like May second, twenty sixteen. Colin came April 3rd, 2019. Then my husband died May 29th, um, 2019. So it was just like almost exactly four years apart. Um, and it kind of got to the point where, because uh, he passed away in our home and I found him when I came home from work. Um, it's kind of like when I opened the door and I saw him, I instantly knew that he was deceased. And my first instant was, of course, what else could go wrong? Right. Because <laughs> I have had trauma after trauma after trauma. And then afterwards, after that thought passed, then it actually just like hit me. I was like, okay, okay. The first 
few months, especially because it was during COVID, was, um, I'm sorry, my husband died May 29th, 2020. I think I said 2019, it was 2020. Um, so it was right after COVID started. And I took like a three months off. And it's one thing for your husband to die. It's another thing to go through a world pandemic, but it to coincide at the same time. Like I'm sitting here looking at walls for three months, can't breathe, can't move, trying not to let my toddler show my emotions. My husband died um, when Colin was a little over a year of age. Um, so you're just sitting there just like trying to put on a brave face for Colin. And then, you know, once he goes to bed, you know, you go in your room. And I started writing more during that time just to kind of like express my feelings. Because um, none of my friends have gone through half of what I've gone through. So they're a good support system, but they don't understand everything. So it's kind of just like one moment at a time, one breath at a time. I, I can't imagine the trauma that must have been for you. You know, you're going through one trauma to the next and you're thinking, what else is next? I can't take it, you know, really? Why now? If that makes sense. What yeah. helped you in those moments of trauma, like getting through bereavement? Um I know every stage of bereavement is different. You know, losing a loved one isn't easy. Um, but what would you say helps you get through that difficult moment? My faith in God is <laughs> a lot. Um, and then Colin. Because if it wasn't for Colin, I would probably be on an island somewhere, like <laughs> open up a little bar. <laughs> but, you know, he keeps he keeps me going, you know. His just smile kind of lights up my heart. And so... Everyone says, like, oh, you know, you're such a good mom. But Colin saved me, if that makes sense. He He's the one that keeps me going. Like, okay, we got to get up. We got a purpose. You know, we take care We take care of each other. You know, and, and two is better than one, they say, right? And he's beautiful. And how is it like being a single mom, raising a beautiful boy, whilst, you know, taking care of your own self? How do you do it, you know? Because many other single moms right now who may think, oh my gosh, like, how do I do it? How would you describe balancing it all for you as a single mom? Very, very hard. Um, it's only been recently where I've actually tried to carve out a little bit of time for myself. Um, but the first few years, I only had enough energy for Colin. And then I'm a family nurse practitioner. So I'm seeing, you know, 16, 17 patients a day after, like, between those two, like, I'm done. <laughs> like I'm tired and then Colin has so many appointments so it's just trying to, it took a lot of like energy just to kind of coordinate everything and make sure that he has what he needs and then I kind of got the leftovers so now I'm tr trying to get to the point where it's a little bit more balanced I've scaled back work a little bit and then I've recently asked to come down like to true part-time at the beginning of the next year just because I just need more balance and there's a lot of more creative things I want to do that I don't necessarily have the time for now you know, Colin, when I come home from work, I do a lot of, you know, charting on the weekend just to get caught up. So it's just, it's a hard balance. I say that. But yet you get it done though. At the end of the day, this is what being a strong single mama is. Even though you've gone through a lot, you're still being strong for not only yourself, but for Colin, right? You know, you want him to grow up to be a strong man that will make impact and be an inspiration to many, isn't it? You know, he's doing so well. Talk to us about some of the uh, achievements and milestones that Colin's had so far after his Nike journey. And, and what was it like seeing him get to certain stages, growing in age and everything? 
So when he first came home, because he, he has a sense of brain damage. Um, when he first came home, he could barely move like his left arm and he had decreased moving the left leg. And I remember like my husband would, he, he was an engine, he was an aerospace engineer by trade. He found something off Amazon, like this glove to put on Colin's hand. And he would sit there and make Colin like practice opening and closing his hand, putting his own pacifier in it. Um, and then slowly, you know, he started gaining different skills. I remember when we were first trying to get him to sit up on his own or eat by mouth or things like this. Uh, and then over the years have gone, like recently, you know, he knows how to spell like cat and hat. And, well, no, cat, hi, me. And he knows how to spell his name. Um, we're to the point where he is able to go a short distance by himself using his walker. He loves an iPad or a tablet. He can navigate my phone better than I can. He recently started pre-K. So that's been exciting watching him, you know, get on the bus and come home. He's such a big boy. So it's been a magical journey of like where we started. And then you, cause you kind of have this idea of kind of like what you want your kids to be when you grow up, right? So my husband had a very hard childhood growing up. And so... And he, yeah, we both have masters. We was like, we both have master's degree. Like, he has to at least be like a doctor or have a PhD or something, right? And so then you have this kid come out with all these disabilities and you're saying like, how does this align with the vision that we thought we had for our kid? So it's kind of like you have to retrain your thinking and say like, hey, you know, Colin's going to show us all he's capable of as long as we give him like the necessary tools. Um, and you kind of, have to live in the present moment and not worry about the future too much and just get him what he needs now, right? So we do a lot of therapy, physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech. We got him a communication device. I, I built a whole home gym in the basement. If there's anything that we go to a physical therapist's office they have that it looks like it helps, we have it in our basement. Mm -hmm. uh, Amazon's comes every day. <laughs> uh, so it's just like... Um, I don't know. It's just been magical seeing his journey from when he first came home until now. And he looks just like my husband. He has the demeanor of my husband. He's he likes to play tricks on people already. So he he's he's a miracle. <laughs> I can tell you that I've seen them for last hour on your page how he's grown and fried, and he is just a proper little man. Is already he's he's already. You know, like just seeing how he's defying the odds, even though he may have some health challenges as we speak, right? That is an example of how he's thriving against the odds. And, you know, I know he's going to make his dad proud because he's got a strong mom that will help guide him to, to be a strong man to come. You know, okay. I love that you have set up a wonderful venture and it's called Is and Nike World, and the purpose is to empower Nike families by providing hope and resources. And you're doing just that. I've seen from myself, and it's such a lovely way to give back to the Nike community. Can you tell us about that and what inspired you to launch that venture? So when Colin first came home, I had an idea of a book to write, and so. I sketched it out on a piece of paper, like real old school, folded it up, kind of drew illustrations of what I thought each page looked like. And then life was really hard at that moment. So I said, like, oh, well, I'll tuck this away and I'll bring it back later. I'll bring it out later. And then my husband passed away. And then, so I would say probably last year, I was like, okay, Ashley, it's something was like, 
pull it on me. Okay, let's just do it. We need to get it done. Um, and so I was like, well, I need to find a way to like advertise it. And so it originally started off as a way for me to kind of promote the book. And then as I started realizing the impact that I could have with it, I started saying, okay, let's show people because it's easier to tell people like how, you know, it's easy to tell people like this is what you should do when you have a kid that kind of like Colin comes home. It's another thing to show them and to kind of give them hope. You know, all our babies are different. All our babies have different stories, different health challenges. But if you can see someone kind of making it, even though everything isn't perfect, it kind of gives you a little bit more like hope and encouragement, like, hey, you can do this too. So that's like, that's my whole goal is just to encourage other families that they can make it too. And now, you know, your future looks different, but it's kind of like what you make it and to enjoy where you are like at this moment and worry about tomorrow when it tomorrow comes. Yeah, definitely. I, I agree with you 100% on that. And how has its an actual world impacted and the Nike community already? And also, what are some of your future goals for what it's an IQ world to achieve? What would you like to see happen and flourish in this IQ world? Um, the impact I would say that we've had so far, everyday families reaching out to say, hey, you know, um, whether they've seen something that I've done with Colin that they want to try or that it's helped them um, or just building like a support system, um, sending encouragement, being there to answer questions when they have it. I feel like that's just like the day to day, like networking and communicating with other families is like the most important, I would say. In future, um, I have a book. It's currently been illustrated. It's called It's the NICU World. And it kind of just goes over Colin's NICU journey from when he's born until when he comes home. And then eventually I would like to have like four or five books in the series along with just finding other ways to kind of like share our story in hopes of just encouraging other families, whether that be, I don't know, maybe speaking engagements, or I feel like that part's just kind of, I'm still like in the process of kind of figuring out kind of what's next past the books. Like what's next? How do I use my voice and Colin's story to like impact the world? Yeah. And, and that will come. Honestly, I can see it. It will come. It will grow. More doors will open onto you. But so now you're putting in the, the work to get there. And already the fact that families are reaching out to you and within this venture is a great sign that there are better things to come, you know? Um, how important is it that you support the Nike community in terms of getting parents to share their journeys as well, to encourage others going through a tough Nike process at the moment? Um, how important is it bringing people, like you said, families together, part of this venture doing, just to come and shed a light on um, the miracle taught journeys. Um, I think it's very important because unless you've had a child who's been in the NICU or have medical issues, you have no idea how hard it is. You know, because um, I have people in my life where I share my story. You think they understand, but then they'll say something. It's like, you don't get it. <laughs> you have no, you don't have a clue. Um <laughs> And so it kind of makes you feel like you are not alone, right? That's the biggest part. That's the biggest piece is letting you know that you are not alone. 
you know, and just being able to share like tips and resources. There's so many things I did not know about columns in NICU. You know, I work in healthcare. Like I didn't know about different programs that we qualified for until I talked to other families who have kids with special needs. And so it's all about sharing your, your wealth, which is in this area is your resources. It's like, how do you find this? What programs you're in? For instance, Colin recently got a go-kart through the Go Baby Go company. Um, so I'm like, hey, you know, if anybody wants one of these, let me know. I can show you if you live in the DMV, I can show you how to get this. And it's totally free. Um, and they do it just out of the kindness of their heart. They get grants and the director was like, hey, you know, let me know if you know anybody um, who needs it. So it's just sharing what you know that can help, I don't know, brighten up somebody else's day or kind of make their load a little bit easier. I think we all need to be a helping hand to somebody, right? And the fact that you want to help implement change in the Nike community through this Nike world speaks volumes. What are some of the challenges that you've seen within the healthcare or the IQ board per se that may affect miracle tots or um, parents? What are some of the um, implications I said today that may be affected in IQ community right now that needs to be solved? How hard it is to, it's like for, for example, Colin recently received a wheelchair. So I go to a company that measures him. They, but it's like a third party company that actually like orders all the parts. So they called me and said, Hey, Ashley, it's ready. You called the first place to schedule the appointment for pickup. So I called the first place and they're like, Well, your referral expired two days ago. Right. <laughs> so the, essentially, like the doctor's order expired two days ago. I'm like, Okay. So what do I need to do? Okay. So we're going to resubmit it. Um, I said, So when should I expect a call back by or when should I follow up? 14 days. So I call back in 14 days. I'm like, hey, what's going on? I need my kids' wheelchair before school starts. And so they said, okay, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. Um, I don't see something. I'll give you a call back. So this was a Thursday. I was like, okay, I'm calling back on a Tuesday. The original person never put the order in, never resubmitted the order. So then I call again, and the second person never resubmitted it. So then it's a third call. That's like the biggest issue is trying to Get your kid what they need. It's kind of like advocate. you're advocating for your kid. You have to keep calling. You have to be beyond like organized. Like I write myself little notes. Okay, Ashley, you talk to this person on this day. You need to follow up by this time if you don't hear back from them. And they probably get annoyed, but I don't care. because My kid needs what he needs. So that's like the biggest problem in healthcare is too many. And I know from the, the, you know, being a healthcare provider, I understand that people are short staff. I understand that you know, faxes don't go through. Like, I understand all of that coming from a healthcare provider's view. But as a mama, I don't care. I want my kid to have his stuff. <laughs> so that's like the biggest challenge is, like, I don't understand how people who don't have as many resources that I have or, you know, the health knowledge, like, how do they navigate this American healthcare system, getting everything that you need? Um, you know, there's some families who can't get medications covered. Or insurance will only cover, um, you know, one piece of equipment versus another. Uh, I feel like that's like the biggest challenge is making sure your kid has everything that they need to give them the best possible life. Because sometimes you don't know what your kid is capable of if you don't have the tools to give them, right? You don't understand how, kind of what they're thinking if they're nonverbal and they don't have a communication device. Like, how can they tell you? So I feel like that's the biggest, that's the biggest 
challenge for people here. And I guess I can say that's why you're placed within the healthcare for such time as this, because you can eventually be a problem solver and you can use your ventures and like you well to provide the resources that are lacking within the healthcare right now, especially for the life community. You can spot problems and you can be a problem solver to them for this venture. And of course, I, I saw the clip of you sharing Colin's reunion and you did such an amazing job and it was such a heartfelt speech. Um, how important is it for you, being a single mom and being strong on behalf of Colin, how is it important and why is it important for you to share his story within um, the reunion, within the life community and um, to other parents that may be going through the tough NICU experience? Um, how important is it for you to share Colin's story? I think it's very important because when we were there, there is a section, it's, I, I call it the 25-weeker role. So when we first got there, there was nothing but 25-weekers there. And we stay in that same spot for a month. And all the other babies were rotating around and leaving. And then there were a new set of babies. And we were still there. And one day I was like, you better move me from this spot. I don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> move me. I don't care where we go. <laughs> and then they, I thought they were going to move me to the window, but they moved me to another place. So I was still mad. But anyway, I say all of that to say there weren't any examples of families like mine. Like we were the hard case, you know. I'm, I'll be sitting in the, like the lobby and people are watching me cry and like all of this stuff. And I could tell like their heart went out to me, but they didn't understand. So I kind of wanted to share our story so that the hard cases, you know, we get hope too, you know, it was more than just, and I'm not minimizing anybody else's NICU stay. I understand that nobody wants their kids to be there. And I understand that it's hard on everyone. So I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that sometimes, you know, the harder cases, so like the the micro preemies, the which are below t- people kids who are born between twenty five and twenty eight weeks gestation, or twenty three and twenty two now in some cases. Um, those are kind of like the 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 journeys that are more rough, and those are the parents who, for the most part, need a little bit more hope and encouragement. Um, so yeah, so that's why I share that's why I share our story. I just want families who have the long, hard road to know that they're not alone and there's resources out there. Um, and that if we can make it, you can too. Definitely. Colin is living proof that, you know, no matter what was said against him or no matter what health challenges rose above him, he's here today and he is defying the odds. He is a little miracle star and he'll see that. Um, so being a single mom and a mompreneur of it's an IQ world and working within the healthcare, how do you find time just to balance it all as a single mom um, and, and fulfill your purpose at the same time? It is very, very challenging because Colin comes first. <laughs> so, you know, his schedule goes in first I, and I get the leftovers and I'm okay with that now. Um, so now it's trying to figure out because there's some more creative things that I would like to do. Um, and I don't have the time to actually sit down and like think about like how I would um, bring those things to fruition because I'm so by the time I get home, I take care of Colin. A lot of times I'm exhausted. So now I, um, I'm just trying to figure out how much work can I do that's reasonable because I love my job. Like I love my patients. 
but it's, I'm trying to figure out what's the good balance of how much of myself to give to them versus how much to give to Colin versus how much to the straps sleep to me. <laughs> so it, it's hard. I, that's a work in progress for me, mm-hmm. if I'm honest. But you're doing a great job. <laughs> but I'm tired. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, keep going. You're doing amazing. And, um, <laughs> finally, I wanted to ask you, what would your message be to other single moms that feel like they're exhausted, they can't do it? And, you know, they're going back and forth to the hospital to see their little fighter fight for their life and there's no hope. Then um, a mom who may be single right now, who's looking after their child and at the same time they're trying to fulfill their purpose, um, but they feel like they can't have the strength to do it because of so many obstacles in the way on a daily basis. But you're someone who... It's proof that it can be done. And no matter what the odds are against you on a daily basis, you're still getting up, you're still calling bursts, you're still um, making an impact for it. It's a micro world. What would you say to the single moms right now that feel like they can't do it? First, I would say it's okay to cry. <laughs> I'll start with there. It's okay to kind of create like this little space for you where you can kind of let your guard down, let your emotions go. Um, because when you're out and about, you're working, you're with your kids, you have this guard up because as a single mom, you know, you have all the weight on your shoulders. You know, you're responsible for making all decisions for your household, you know, um, for your kid, like all these things. So it's okay to kind of create like a little spot in your house. that's just kind of for you when the kids go to sleep where you can sit there and kind of like dream again, uh, get your tears out, um, for me, I like to journal or write. That's how um like share my story. It's kind of like very therapeutic for me. So you need to find out what kind of outlet for you, some kind of release. And then when you're when things are good, kind of savor those moments and be present in those moments because those are the moments that will sustain you when you when the time gets hard, right? You can say, say you're in the hospital, your kid's there. You can remember like, hey, there is a day that we won't be here anymore, that we can go home. And this is, we can get back to that place again. And then you kind of have to figure out a way to let go of all of your, I don't want to say expectations, but kind of like this idea of how you thought life was going to go. Because obviously it, it changes because nobody would have picked this for ourselves, right? So you have to figure out a way to change your outlook and just kind of appreciate where you are now. Your kid's alive. Uh, you're being, and I know sometimes you don't feel like you are, but you're being the best mom that you possibly can for this child. And whether your child is verbal or nonverbal, they know that you're there. They know that you're mama. They know that you will provide for them like nobody else can. Um, so you kind of have to figure out Sometimes you got to pat your own self in the back. You're like, you did this, girl, right? <laughs> oh, it just, I don't know. And I know it gets hard. And I know it's easy to get up here and say, right, you do this, 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 this. Like, I, I totally get that. Um, but you kind of got to figure out, like, what are you fighting for, right? You're fighting for your child. You're fighting for yourself. You're fighting for a better future. And no, you didn't want this for your life, but you're here now. So what are you going to do with it? 
So it's kind of like you got to put your big girl underwear on. And let's go. Honestly, you are such an inspiration. You know, you're an example, like I said, of a single mom that can get it done. Thank you for all you do for you and Colin. It was a pleasure to have you on here. Please show your socials so our audience knows where to find you and to keep up to date with updates with us and like world and more of Colin's journey. So on Facebook, it's it's the Nikki World. Um, on Instagram, it's um, it's underscore a underscore Nikki underscore World. <laughs> but if you just type in it's the Nikki World to come up. Awesome. Make sure you stay up to date and stay in tune with Colin's journey and Ashley's journey as well. She's an amazing mom. And make sure you follow them with all their socials. Thank you for having me. Thank you. They are amazing. And I hope you're inspired by today's podcast. Stay tuned for next week's episode. And it was a pleasure to have you listening and, and tuning in. So I appreciate it and love you guys. Bye.